0: What is going on, guys? My name is Dimitri and welcome to the Rise better Podcast. In today's episode, our guest is an engineer. He's a fellow content creator, and he's also from California, like many people in my previous episodes. I am excited to get into this podcast, so get ready for episode 11 of the Rise better Podcast. Hey, Drew, what's up? Not much? How are you doing, Dimitri? I'm doing great. How is uh, How is the weather where hopefully it's better than here?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's like, it's it's cool for here, but it's like, you know, high 60s, so that's complaining about nothing. Okay, that's actually pretty good, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah, I was out for a run
0: this morning, it was kind of dreary. Um, when it gets to be the summer in the Midwest, I know you're from, well, you live in California, you're from Carolina, um, we talked before, always. Right. Um, it's, <laughs> it's really hot, or it's not or it's really rainy or it's really snowy there there was like this two three day span on multiple weekends in a row um I want to say two three weeks ago where it was like 75 and we were like what is this
1: what is what, yeah what, what is that yeah uh,
0: so I'm a little yeah, jealous was, of your neck of the woods
1: yeah that was North Carolina too the old joke was it's like you get all four seasons in the same week yeah depending on the time of the year and then yeah the Midwest my grandparents lived in St. Louis so I I know from going up there it's like How on earth in the summer is it warmer here than it is in north carolina that's weird yeah it was uh yeah
0: all right so tell us a little bit tell us a little bit about your life your story everyone i'm sure wants to hear
1: yeah so uh my my channel is uh, drew rice engineering success the reason is because i'm a system engineer i work gotcha the reason is because i'm a system engineer and i work in the space program doing cost and risk analysis. I am really passionate about personal finance and basically growing up, I grew up in a household with a father that was a pilot both in the Marine Corps and then commercial airlines and a mom that was a software engineer. So, from a young age, I had a really good insight into the aerospace industry and that kind of grew that passion from a very young age which Both my parents went to the same college uh, and that was a very engineering focused school. So I was very, um, very excited at, and even in elementary school about knowing, oh, this is where I'm gonna go to college. This is what I'm gonna major in. Um, And that gave a really good, um, that journey essentially is why I wanted to make a channel that's focused on both engineering and personal finance.
0: That's pretty cool. I, I was pointing down to tell them to look at your stuff in the description down below, not... <laughs> My apologies. I thought I, was,
1: yeah, I thought I was talking too loud. No, you're
0: good, man. You're good. <laughs> I was just, uh, as per usual, guys, check out Drew's stuff in the description slash podcast notes down below. I usually do the plug, you did it yourself. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no worries. Sorry. Um, so
0: yeah, that's, that's always pretty interesting. Whenever I know people who have had like their parents go to the same college, it ends up being that the child is like, well... I should probably go to said college, right? That's usually, that's the move, I guess. That's, that's what they want you to do. They may not overtly say it, but they probably, you know, I don't know. Did they, did they tell you like, hey, go to NC? Well, you went to, would would they go? No,
1: they never, they never, um, they never overtly told me, but it was kind of like you just grew up, like we weren't, we weren't like super fans and stuff. Like we weren't going to games and all that, but it was more of just a, uh, you know, you always had like you always would get like NC State shirts or hats yeah. or whatever growing up, um, and so it's you know you kind of get quote unquote indoctrinated. Yeah, it's in like that. The little
0: nudges that they, they kind of yeah mm-hmm. it,
1: exactly. And now with engineering, that definitely was something that was or at least STEM as a was something that my parents heavily uh, wanted us to do, but as you know me and my siblings, but uh, it wasn't ever a quote you know a quote unquote requirement and. Fortunately enough, I was interested enough in it. So, Well, I'm glad that you ended
0: up going um, that route and that you like it because sometimes I know there's a lot of kids who want to do certain areas and maybe their parents kind of nudge them in a certain way and then they don't like it. And I think this is a pretty good place to start because this conversation is going to be mainly about you know the college experience, um, kind of some of the issues that come from going to a four-year university. Uh, I want to get into a topic that's that's about why essentially do you think people should go to community college? I think this will be a good uh, little back and forth we can have here about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, just so everyone knows, so I did end up going to NC State. I was actually pretty, uh, I would say, obnoxious at the time when I was graduating uh, high school because I was so sure that that was where I was going to go. And I did really well in high school and knew that I could get in. And I literally only applied to NC State. and. Oh, wow. <laughs> so then I, and I went for chemical engineering because I was interested in biochem um, and knew that engineering was a better uh, option as far as like marketability in the, you know, in the in the job market. And uh, so that's what I went for. And then about a year and a half into that, I realized, well, this is not what I want to do. And, you know, because I I didn't go for the right reasons. I went thinking that I knew what it was, but I didn't actually have a goal in mind. And so then I just, then what happened was I came back home and went to the local community college and started loading trucks at UPS. And that way I was able to figure out what I wanted to do. I know it's like a classic thing of do something that you really don't enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I know Casey Neistat is someone that definitely preached that is the best way to figure out what you want to do is to do something you absolutely don't want to do with a lot of time to think. And so that was very helpful. And then to answer your actual question is going to community college. It was a great choice because it gave me the time to focus on what I wanted, figuring out what I wanted to do because I wasn't as worried about things like my, you know, four year GPA because what's really cool about community colleges, if you go and as long as you finish your associates, if you transfer in, then it becomes a little bit more muddy. But if you finish your associates at most, at least as far as I'm aware, public schools, um, in the United States, when you transfer in, you will automatically be a junior um, in there. In you'll automatically be a junior, and your GPA will start over when you get to that school. So instead of being graded on, instead of having your like freshman year where all of us are adjusting and trying to figure out, you know what we're even supposed to be doing in college, uh, among other things, um, you're only getting measured on those last two to three years, depending on, you know, what degree you're getting, um, where you're already more focused, which was a huge help. And the other big advantage is, of course, money savings. I was actually looking after our conversation because I was trying to remember how much the difference is. Yeah, so the difference between NC State, uh, just in-state, just tuition, nothing else, is about 4,500 a year. So when you look at it from the, when you look at the community college, it's like 1200 a semester so you're looking at about 2500 a year so it's literally half the savings so that was another big thing i was fortunate enough because i was able to live back at home so i wasn't you know paying rent at the time able to work a job because the hours more and more flexible since community college caters more towards commuters Uh, and that way i was able to save a lot more money and You know graduate without debt so that was another huge reason that i think it's great for most people and i think most people don't know what they want to do at 18 anyway um because we don't really have that much of a reference point outside of our parents
0: yeah i I know that's really true i think for me when i was going into college i was thinking um i want to do something in the business world and i knew that and i ended up going for finance originally before i switched to marketing and i think maybe the only reference point was like that my dad worked in finance and i was like well I, I think I like what he does, I think. You know, I wasn't really sure, honestly. Right. Be, I was just, that was the only point of reference I had. And right. also on top of that, I, I think something to touch on, Um, we're going the GPA. Uh, when we were talking about this beforehand, I was thinking, you know, maybe the GPA would be boosted because, you know, you go to community college, generally you're going to get better grades. And I, I figured maybe if that transferred in, that help your GPA, but it doesn't. But I hadn't thought of, you know, how much maturity you go through in those even first two years of college, you know, it's a different type of class setting. It's a different type of professor, it's a different type of workload. So I remember for me, my first years of college, were very much figuring things out. My GPA, I think towards the end, you know, was substantially higher than the beginning. And I didn't start at a low spot. It was like always in the threes. Um, but it was a matter of like, beginning you know like three two three four and then towards the end three eight three nine so it was like well if i had just had my last couple of years of gpa and ended up doing a junior college in the beginning i would have came out with a i think i was like i looked at it, it was like a point three higher gpa it was, and yeah. i was like oh well but to me it's like i'm a you know i'm a person who's like on not exactly a four but like i don't know three eight or something it's like towards the end that's what i got to and i was like that's probably what i am but you go through those first couple of years. And I was told this by someone in high school, I'm sorry, a teacher in high school. And I think it's a really good um, concept for like life and, and your personal growth, right? She said, think about yourself as growing in years of like four year phases, you know, in high school, think about yourself freshman year to senior year. Wow, big difference. Think about yourself freshman year of college, senior of college. Wow, I now being a senior, remembering myself freshman year big difference and then one more time after college before you probably should like settle down and you know the whole the whole nine yards with having a family and stuff because one or two more cycles she said because you just until you hit like 30 those those four-year cycles you just you just change so much so i think it's really important probably for people to do community college if if they're not in a situation where they could get a bunch of money off from like a big academic scholarship or athletic scholarship because it's money-wise personality personal wise like you don't the first couple years of college like is it fun kind of yeah sure but like i don't don't know if it's worth the debt
1: right no for sure and and i think it you know it's it goes back to what you were saying earlier about parents and your desire to do you know what you think they want you to do i think it kind of goes in the same vein because i think it's too common especially when you look at uh, people that just go to college because it's you know quote-unquote normal in that high school or you know family that they grow up in and they aren't really looking at it from the perspective of, you know, the cost benefit of what is this going to get to me? Um, And so I think that's the main thing is making sure that people are, you know, choosing what's best for them and not signing up for, you know, more debt in a field where there's not as many job options.
0: Yeah, I agree with that too. And I think another big thing to touch on regarding like the maturity is, when you are having those first two years of community college you probably will have a better idea um, or at least have more time to figure out what you maybe want to do rather than if you go to um, a four-year university and you don't know what you want to do you pick something then you switch there's a opport or not an opportunity there's a bad thing that happens for a lot of people where you know they go for four and a half years and they end up going for five years because they just hard pivoted you know they just really hard pivoted from like, I don't know, something in the business world to pre med or vice versa. And that puts people in even more and even more debt. And I know the amount of debt in America's college system with like all of our people who are graduate graduating now. Do you know what the number is on that? But I I,
1: I think it's forty thousand is the average that's not student yeah. debt. I think forty thousand is the average personal debt that people have, at least of oh, like really? as of twenty that's as of 2018 or 2019. I can't remember what the study was, but yeah, CNBC, yeah. I know, did a thing on it. I was thinking um, about the,
0: the, I think it's like 4 point something billion in student loan debt or something. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, ridiculous. that sounds right. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's a ludicrous, it's a ludicrous, uh, it's amount. And then the thing is, it's like the, the sad part is, especially growing up in like rural North Carolina, you see people that, you know, you go to high school with and you have some people that grow up in more suburban Middle to upper middle class families that you know their families and they themselves prioritize going to college just to go to college, and they're not looking at it from the perspective of like, okay, well, I'm going to school for you know pick something that has a average income in that area of say 60k a year, Um, and they're not looking at it from the perspective where then you have people that are say go to two years and get a welding certificate at an associate and, you know, an associate's degree, they're going to make more, you know, so with better job security. Now, of course, there's different goals as far as like what people want uh, with work life balance. And, you know, that's of course a consideration as well, but it's like, I just remember in high school that those I would load trucks in the summertime because I would do uh, we'd go up and load hay bales and that was like my summer job in high school. Nice. And so I was always around both, you know, both extremes and it was always funny to me the way that one would you know kind of look down on the other even though one has is going to have way less debt and way more money as long as they're you know responsible with lifestyle inflation
0: yeah that's actually you know the lifestyle inflation thing is a good point because in america and in all across the world that's got a pretty decent um you know, financial foundation for where people can, you know, maneuver themselves, um, vertically and, and their, their wealth. I think it's, it's hard to understand why so many people, you know, they have that lifestyle inflation. If you make 50 grand, you make 80 grand. One person versus the other in America on average is probably going to have the same amount of savings. It's, it's actually really sad because when you just make more, you end up spending more here. I don't know why, um, it's like 80 uh, 20 regarding like people who live paycheck to paycheck to don't and it's like well, that's that's just not that's not
1: good Yeah, it's uh it is it's sad and I mean a lot of that comes down to uh, I think just being able to like be- being able to put um, you know prioritize the future and Basically delayed gratification and I think a lot of that comes down to learning that from a young age um, I know Casey that you had on uh, right. recently did a video recently talking about how his parents would uh, pay him certain um, amounts for different chores. Uh, And then on top of that, further incentivize things like cleaning your room so that you get to keep more of it. Mm -hmm. Basically trying to teach the lesson of, you know, even understanding like how taxation works. And I think little things like that are really great for kids growing up and learning, you know, that type of mentality. And then with me, it was like, I don't know. As a kid, I've always been like, I've always been super, uh, risk averse and very focused on saving. And I don't know what it is. It's a personality thing because I know one of the jokes was my brother who's four years younger is like the polar opposite. Mm. He's a go, he's an extreme go getter. Um, and he just jumps at things and it's, it's a great explanation of how personalities, Um, How both personality types are really effective if you know how to use them Uh, The classic one story with that is when I was a kid. I remember we were going to um, this place where there was like a high dive into the pool Uh, and And like me, I'm you know constantly like oh, man I gotta know I gotta you know, what's the you know, what's going to happen? I do this I gotta watch I gotta see you know and have an idea of what the end result is but then my brother just is immediately like run and jump off and I think that's really important because you, you got to be risk averse enough to like know when things are, you know, going to be worth it and when they aren't, but at the same time if you don't have a balance of that and don't run and jump at things, then you just stay in the same place. So both are important.
0: Yeah, I think that's really true. There's a, there's a component in everyone's personalities where, you no, know, I think there's like a kind of a mix actually between um, obviously people's natural personality. But there's a big component regarding um parenting, um and like whether kids are receptive to the parenting or not, because I know um, I'm not like a psychologist or anything. I've just I've read that parents, um, and the way they uh parent their kids has a differing effect on the children because of their personality. Like some kids will be like, All right, I have my parents say this, I want to do this. Other will be like, I'm kinda of sick what my parent has to say. I'm gonna not do what they say or not care what they say. So I always think it's interesting to find out you know, one kid has this exact same opinion as the parents. One has a completely different opinion as the parents. And that's always pretty funny to see. But I, there is just seems to be an overarching issue in the country where it's like, I guess most parents are just not caring what about the money they spend. And then the kids end up doing it. I don't know how that yeah, happened. I, th- I it, Consumer culture I here is weird
1: yeah i think a lot of it is i think it kind of ties in though to the uh to the four-year versus um going straight to a community college it's that you know it's the same old keeping up with the joneses like Mm -hmm. we want to we want to posture and show that we have you know social worth and i think that's a lot of it because i know um you know it's like when you were in like we're slightly different ages but when you were in school you remember um if you didn't wear, like, whatever the it brands were when you were in even middle school. Hollister, man. Which isn't... Yeah, exactly. I was going to say Hollister and then Abercrombie before oh, that. Yeah. But it's like, if you didn't wear that, then you were different. And then the thing is, it's like, that's not even your doing. Like, you're not even paying for it. Yet, people still care. So it's like, I think that's... I think normalizing, you know, trying to get away from that and trying to normalize, like, I don't like Graham Stephan is a good example of that where he does, uh, you know, constantly talks about like 20 cent iced coffee and, you know, about buying, you know, H and M shirts as opposed to designer when he can clearly, you know, afford whichever he wants. It's like, that's, I think an important thing to normalize in society because everyone's always trying to, you know, flex on each other. Heart when, flex. yeah, it's like, and I'm the, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm might be too far in the other direction. Cause like, you know, when I was looking to get a car, um, I first moved out here. I moved to California. I'd been driving an old Jeep um, the entire time I was in school. And I was like, I'm going to get a convertible because it's, a you know, it's so great uh, out here. You know, I want to enjoy it. I want to reward myself because I graduate with, you know, a good amount of savings and everything. Uh, and then I ended up talking myself down to buying, you know, like an Elantra. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. So, you know, it, it it all just depends. But... It depends on what people prioritize. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that is, a, it's very important. And then also, I think people just don't realize how much uh, it takes to retire, you know, and they don't think about it from that perspective. Um, and when you realize how easy it is to save, like you were saying about people, whether they make, you know, 40 or 50K a year versus 80K a year, generally speaking, they save about the same amount. Like in the United States, if you're able to get out of debt early, And make over forty k a year just with a Roth IRA. You know, just with putting like six, seven thousand a year in a Roth IRA, you're going to be a millionaire by the time you retire. Exactly. That's and and people and people don't think of it from that perspective, and I think that's part of it. You know, it's it's a very
0: short-term thinking thing. I know Um, Graham talks a lot about the whole like put five dollars a day into an index fund, you know, 7% return from the S&P 500. And then like you retire with $1.3 million and people are like, that's stupid. That's not true. And I'm like, no, like uh, the math, the math works, buddy. Like when people do that, what's five times 365 uh, is like what a little over three and a half thousand dollars in the stock market every year. So I don't know, a little like about four grand in the stock market every year. Like that's not a crazy amount of your income. Like post-tax is probably like 18 20% Twenty percent of your income, like oh, 20 oh, percent of your income went into uh, somebody that's going to give you more money. Oh no, it, like, exactly. I, I, I don't. Know. I, it, it's just probably a lack of financial education because we talked about this a little bit. But you know, high schools don't teach you any of this stuff. Like high schools don't teach you anything. Like, I'm, I'm not going right. to be rude to the entirety of the American uh, school system right oh. now, but like, y- you really don't teach as much. Like, just to be blunt, like I, I know all these y- facts about history. Which apparently is being changed over time because you know historians find out new things. By the way, just just a little uh, mention there. Uh, but like they don't teach personal finance unless you specifically take a personal finance class, which end up being taken mostly by the kids that end up going to juco. Which I actually noticed. I don't I don't know if you ever noticed that, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, in in my you know in my high school, which I'm is I'm not not necessarily representative of every yeah, high school, yeah, but I course. know. With with my high school, generally speaking, the you know business classes uh, is what you know they were called. Yeah, they generally weren't taken by people that were going to college because they were. I mean, because the problem is that you you're given you know there's so many different required courses, and then outside of those required courses, if say I'm going to school for you know engineering or what you know whatever I'm going to school for, I want to prioritize taking a lot of more act you know quote unquote academic courses. Yeah, of course. That are more you know matter more in my major so like i'd be focusing on taking like you know calcs and statistics and things like that when what matters to most people is going to be basic personal finance which i think that's another issue is like whenever people talk about what to you know what to make core curriculums and there's always the pushback of like whether people should learn algebra 2 or you know depending on what the, you know what politicians in that area are trying to get to happen. but it's like I think most people would benefit a lot if we had like basic statistics and that of course, leads into understanding like compound interest and how different models work, which then goes right into personal finance. Mm-hmm. And I don't i I'm not proposing a solution, but I think that either putting putting a little bit of that into, a statistics focused course, or putting that into a like you know when you learn civics and some schools call it civics and economics, mm-hmm. um, you know that basic history course, maybe put a little bit more into the you know how to save for retirement because I, I agree. yeah because I think like you said it's it's a lack of understanding of math I mean it, I think it's the same reason that people you know. As an example, I'll I will never buy a lottery ticket just on principle because yeah. I know that it I know that it makes no sense mathematically. Yeah, mathematically it's it's, it's it,
0: there's a there's a name for uh, it's the something tax. I don't want to call people it's, the name. It's the something right, tax. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know right. if, I, if, if if you guys know what I'm talking about. Look up the nickname for for the lottery. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. I was I was gonna refrain. Yeah. It is, and it is. I mean, like, and and the same with compound interest. It's like people just don't understand because it's not something. It's similar to the, um, you know, the situation that we've had recently with exponential graphs. Like, people don't. Oh my God! You yeah. know, think that people don't think that way. We think linear, linearly, you know, generally speaking. And most things are not linear, especially compound interest. It's, you know, people don't. Don't get that. It's so that, hard it's for gonna, people to wrap their yeah. They don't get that. It's kind
0: of just absolutely go on top of each other over and over again until the the gains i mean i even had a guy um one of my friends from college who started to t- he's in pre-med right and he started to take a finance class because he's switching to get his mba and he was like learning about compound interest while he was in his finance classes his senior in college and i was like yeah it's like crazy right because i mean i had been introduced to this when i was younger um just by virtue of you know the person who raised me, you know, does that for a living. And it's like, I I feel very fortunate to know these things because, you know, we got a senior in college who's an educated guy who didn't know how crazy compound interest is. And, you know, you said you won't uh, propose a solution to um, the American school system. I'm I'm not exactly doing that, but I, I do have an idea. All right, so hear me out. Yeah, for sure. In Illinois, we're like the last state, the last state or one of the last few to force kids to take PE slash gym, whatever you want to call it. And we're the fattest state or like one of the fattest states. So it's like if Illinois just switched that to requiring us to take personal finance and also took out the calculus requirement and put in a basic statistics one, people would understand things more. So the people would understand things more. They wouldn't get, um, they wouldn't get convinced things so easy regarding like charts that are very I mean some media outlets have they have very I don't know I don't want to call them but they're they're bad charts okay they're bad yeah. charts. they're very misleading charts yeah and we joke about this in college when we're taking statistic courses but I just think if you gave them a personal finance class and gave them a basic statistics class so many people would have a better understanding of life and they wouldn't be convinced of things that aren't true and on top of that They'd save their dang money, and they wouldn't be eating cat food when they're retiring, because that happens to people, and that's sad. Because we live in the most—I mean, we live in the most opportunistic, and we have the most opportunity in America. And it's like, how are people not knowing these things? Because 60% of people don't have a plan for retirement
1: in America. What? Yeah, yeah, no, and and I actually, when you mentioned p yeah, I, that was that was my initial thought. Was I was like, well, PE would be the obvious one. That you'd immediately say, let's swap this out, um, because you know of the course. health part of PE, of course, is very important for people to understand. But you're also required to take biology. you you know, it's pretty easy to learn that stuff in between. And the reality is that if you running the mile in PE is not going to make you enjoy running. No, it's not. It's going. Not. <laughs> it's going it's, that's a completely separate group of people. It's <laughs> like, completely
0: not. I, I have a firm belief. And if the, if any of these people or if any anybody in the education system ends up seeing this down the down the road, my thing is this: people will seek out what they wish to. So it's like, oh, you're going to take away calculus from kids? Okay, last time I checked, um, a quarter of the school ends up taking music classes um, because there's a thing called electives. A lot of schools I'm aware of have the opportunity to take summer school that you can so that you can take classes that you want to during the year. Or we had something called a zero hour, so you'd take gym or another like regular class um before school started and my thought is this like kids are going to seek that out if they want to take calculus because they want to be an engineer let them do it it's called make it elective because last time i checked the percentage of engineers in america is not that large it's not everybody it is not everybody so why are we making everyone take a very one it's like oh well we want to introduce them to it okay well i mean
1: well yeah and 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 even even, uh, you know, even some parts of algebra too, you know, like like I had to know, ma- you know, matrix algebra very well for engineering. Of course, yeah. But most people, they would be better off understanding like why correlation doesn't equal causation, you know, like just basic, basic statistics would be a lot more important um, than even geometry for most people. Yeah, I remember on you know? uh,
0: matrices in high school and I was like, all right, this is right. the perfect example of why are we needing to learn this? When kids say that, up until you reach like sophomore year of high school, like, no, stop. Like, you don't, you need to learn this because it's basic education. But like sophomore, junior year of high school, you start getting into some some gray areas that they need to refine, I think, because if we're going to keep having generations of people not understanding statistics, people are going to start getting convinced of very misleading things. If, if, if you want them to, the more money somebody has, the more they can throw these things in your face. And I just don't want a, a country... To not understand basic graphs that are like showing a, a four or five percent difference, yet it's like this. Yes, graph, exactly. You know what I'm I hate that. I'm not yes, going to name and, the outlet, but you know which news outlet you are. Um, right. I'm sure you do too. Um, There's <laughs> like literally the memes of these from my graduate level statistics
1: class were all from like the same news outlet. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And it's yeah, and and it's and it's not something you know, it's not something that's uh, that's new, but it's like the more um, the more data becomes important in society, which obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. the more the more you know access to the internet and being able to connect with everyone allows companies to track data. and the more data that they have, the more arguments they can make with that data. And so it's important that we are armed with the ability to understand what claims are being made and whether or not there's actual evidence to back up that claim. Yeah. Because, yeah, otherwise it ends up shaping policy and it ends up, you know, shaping the way like the decisions that people make. Um, and yeah, it is, uh, it's a big issue, especially when it comes to things like, you know, recently, like whether it's, um, you know, the obvious issue that's been going on mm-hmm. or like elections or, you know, any, any, you know, pick like, you know, police, you know, like police issues, mm-hmm. any of those people can, if you take certain statistics, you can make an argument um that favors your side and so it's very important to understand how those statistics you know how those statistics fit logically into that equation yeah Um, i think that's really
0: important to look at and i totally agree with you on and everything that's been going on um, there have been both sides kind of doing this thing where they throw it in front of your face throw it in front of your face and there's actually been another thing i've been interested i don't know if you're interested in this either but i think we maybe should introduce a basic like logic class in um, high school and m- my thought behind this is you know we have these arguments being made for a lot of different topics always in politics in um, society regarding different changes that need to be made but i don't know if you're familiar with like you know arguments from authority and arguments from feeling like i'm not i'm not like oh, yeah. ever trying to like knock down people's feelings but like when someone says you know how dare you say that to me and all that kind of stuff the best argument the best people who are able to make arguments for their own points are able to like look through the arguments from authority and look through the arguments of um, feeling and just go like straight to the facts and be like, yeah, but what does that mean? And I think if more people in our country thought like that, they'd be able to think for themselves a little more than they might be able to because, I mean, people are getting quoted all the time as saying different things. And yes, do people have authority in certain cases? Yeah, sure. Do celebrities have? Do celebrities have as much authority, though, as people who have studied... The statistics and the actual facts that make up situations going on not really but yet people are so easily convinced by authority yet they don't take that they either take in the wrong statistics or they don't take in statistics at all which has been kind of an issue as of late and i honestly probably for the past i don't want to say ever but probably for a long time
1: oh yeah for sure it's been for a long time i think the the big difference is that You know, humans haven't changed that much. I mean, realistically, in the last like, you know, several hundred years, our individual desires and like why we make choices and how we're convinced of things hasn't really changed. It's just technology has made it more obvious because we have all these examples instead of just having anecdotal evidence, um, which is what most people would have had in, say, the 1950s or 60s or even 70s, because they couldn't just look up something on their phone. Um, and I think, yeah, it's important. Also, when you're saying uh, arguments from authority, yeah, especially whether it's celebrities or politicians or even people that are in that field, you know, just because a person is, say, say I'm an engineer, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I understand and can speak on like how a how a specific, you know, bridge works. I, you know, I'm an engineer. That doesn't mean that I'm, even if I were a civil engineer, that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily qualified. It's more important to look at what my argument is and whether that argument checks out. Um, yeah. So, and, and yeah, I think basic logic is definitely really important. I don't know where you would like my logic, my thought would be that you would put that into say like an, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It was put it in an English course, um, where you go over different like topics or issues, um, and have to write argumentative papers. Wall. Less great
0: Gatsby, more uh, more logic.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Like, because it's, uh, yeah, it's super important. And it's so, you know, like, regardless of which it is, like whether it's appeal to authority, ad hominem, red herrings, like all these logical fallacies you see all the time used on actual news. Actual news. You see it on social media, of course. Um, and you see it in like, quote unquote, debates. Um that are oftentimes more pro wrestling than actual (laughs) discourse. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, it's very important to distill things down to what is being said as opposed to who is saying it or how they are saying it.
0: Yeah. There, uh, there's a couple of funny situations that I'm aware of regarding, like you just said, um, all these red herrings and stuff. There was, um, something interesting I found where there was a conversation being had and, you know you're watching this show and you don't realize that the same person that produces that show also produces Jerry Springer there was like a panel on a serious social issue right and you know this argument happens and people are saying these things back and forth to each other then I find out like this guy who produced it produced Jerry Springer and I'm like oh alright so this didn't really have much value to me did it and um, another thing I was thinking of was regarding like the argument of authority someone was asked whether they had a PhD in a certain topic right and he's like, no, I don't have a PhD in that topic. And they go, well, then you must not be that knowledgeable about it. And he's like, well, like, I don't know that being a PhD directly makes you knowledgeable in the thing you're trying to say. Like, just because I spent seven years like, getting school for something doesn't mean that what I'm saying is wrong. Like, you get to look at my facts. Like, you got to gotta look at my statistics and stuff. And um, I think that's kind of what we got at that last little bit of the conversation. We talked a lot about why it's important. to just no facts and no statistics in. I think a good segue to get into regarding getting um, manipulated a little bit, I guess, kind of would be uh, Drew. Obviously, makes personal finance videos. I make personal finance videos sometimes, uh, more self development overall. He's got more of that specific component along with life success. There's like this weird trend right now, especially since the stimulus checks and everything. I mean, people are getting clickbaited left and right. Um, uh, I want to s- hear your opinion on you know the clickbaitiness of YouTube right now
1: yeah no i mean everyone's uh everyone's trying to take advantage of that and it's it's um the the biggest issue is in my opinion at least is every time you go on any pretty much any personal finance video um the ad pre-ad role you're gonna get is going to be Yours. some guy holding a stack of probably fake 100 hundred dollar bills um saying he can teach you how to day trade yep. and it, because because that's the thing is like when people get that much money or like you know when people get money at one time in a lump sum like that they automatically are like oh how do i you know either make more of this or what do i buy with it uh and they're looking at it from the that get rich quick type of mentality which is the real issue when it comes to like youtube in my opinion which is why personal finance was so important to me was that i can't stand seeing that and it's been a thing uh whether it was Um, compelling, different compelling ads from, uh, you know, like here in my garage or, you know, 10x. You have all of these different people that are always trying to get you to believe everything that they say and to buy their courses. And it's a real issue. And that's why it's great that people like CoffeeZilla are out there. And yes, and, and Mike Winnett is another really good one that's a little smaller, but he, he does a great job of it that it's good that they're out there calling this stuff out because there's a lot of vulnerable people and especially, you know, people that don't use the internet as much, they're not as, you know, they're not going to be as aware of all of these things. It's more a problem with, you know, our parents. Um, and I, we see that all the time, but it's the same, it's the same logic. And on YouTube, yeah, you have, like whether it's I did a video recently on uh, Dave Portnoy as an example and so his isn't just on YouTube it's more on Twitter but it's the same thing it's like he's encouraging it's very entertaining but he's encouraging essentially gambling to an audience that is mostly 17 to 23 year old boys it's like this is not a very healthy thing to do. I am the target,
0: man. I'm the target.
1: <laughs> I know exactly. I'm the target. I'm 22.
0: It- and I tell you what, at this age, uh, you're getting to a point where you start knowing more things and you start thinking you know everything. So this is this is the time when yes. fellow people of my age group, please just on the bottom of my heart, know there are people who are trying to scam you. And just even if you ask your parents for advice, I think it's good to do that. But also on top of that, scams are getting way more advanced than they're aware of. So like, just cause they say it's probably fine. doesn't mean it's fine. I'm saying like double, triple, quadruple check that whatever you're trying to get into is worth your money. Do crazy amount of uh, review searching. You know, look, I don't care if you look up on YouTube, whether someone's a scam or not, do that sort of thing. I actually have been getting um, pretty happy with the fact that coffee Still is blowing up when he is, because I've been watching him for like a year and a half. But since yeah, same. the situation started and everyone's at home, the algorithm caught him, and I was like, thank God, because if you yeah. didn't blow up right now, there would be so many more people getting scammed out of their money, even in the worst time in years for the economy, we'd have all these people being scammed. And it's not like a huge part of the population, don't get me wrong, but those people are so negatively affected that their life is ruined sometimes when these scams
1: happen. Oh, for sure. It, yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, it, it's it's horrible. And, it, and it, again, that's why it's so important to have basic understanding of personal finance, and generally, like an understanding of how, you know, to measure like whether something works, which is why statistics are important. Because, you know, when you look at it as an example with, uh, you know, with tr- with day traders, yeah, right? right. which when you're looking at day trading, it sounds great. And especially, again, our age group, you know, you watch The Wolf of Wall Street, you watch The Big Short and you think and then you think you know everything because you've taken finance. Dunning-Kruger effect kicks in and you're just like oh, man, I'm going to make so much money and you, you know, even if you outperform the S&P, right, the reality is that if you're day trading all the time and you outperform the S&P, you have to more than double outperform the S&P just to make up the tax difference that you're going to end up giving away versus if you just bought and hold. So -hmm. it's like Portnoy, as an example, was like talking about how he's all of a sudden on an upswing of like up 60% since uh, March. Oh no! Since May, and it's like, dude, the market's up thirty percent since then. Yeah, congratulations, buddy. Yeah, it's like that doesn't mean anything, and you're in a higher tax bracket. You're in the highest tax bracket in the U.S. Like, you're paying just forty percent of that to income, just federal level, not even state level. So, okay,
0: like, anyone just buying,
1: yeah, anyone just buying S and P index funds has less stress and is making is keeping more
0: yeah like when um, the market crashed and dipped at like what
1: was it 18k that was the worst that, day yeah yeah that should yeah. be right like if you what is that like 28 8k now i think uh yeah twenty twenty 28 29 i'm like, not sure about today but yeah
0: got, okay we got ten thousand more points on the dow but if anyone bought an index fund in like march when and the reason was because of this um i've been hearing a lot of good information from this from people who know what they're talking about uh who are like working in the finance industry, not people who are just saying it on the internet. But I don't have a problem with personal finance YouTubers. That wasn't a jab at them. That was a guru jab. Okay. Um, <laughs> Understandable. The the thing is, the market is very much sentiment, right? And the sentiment was from the market that we were going to have insane unemployment. We're going to have insane contraction in our, in our economic growth, right? We're just going to go backwards a lot. And they were like, it's like twice as, the situation right now, Regarding deaths, actually, first of all, you know, remember when they said it was going to be 2 million who died from the situation? It's like 200K, so it's 10 times better. Um, We got situations where unemployment's way better than it was supposed to be, and the economy is in a better spot. So when people are saying, like, why is the market going up, yet our economy's not really doing so well, it's because it's not sentiment of the average day, the average person. Let me, let me make that clear. It's the sentiment of the markets. And the sentiment of the markets was that we were going to go into the dark ages and then we went into like a recession. So that's why it's yeah. going up because it oh. crashed. Because if everyone remembers, it crashed like 10,000 points almost in like yeah. a month. That's yeah. why it's it was up.
1: The, it was the largest, it was the fastest 30% drop in US history. Yeah. It dropped 30% in I think 22 days. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It it's which is faster than it did in the Great Depression. I was freaking out.
0: I was I was freaking out when that happened.
1: Yeah, and and I mean everyone, generally speaking, was you know, and that's I think that's why you had such big drops. Is I think, um, because you would watch and you'd see, um, you'd see as an example, you'd see like, on days when it would be very high down, generally speaking, everything would drop except for companies like Johnson and Johnson Mm. or 3M or these. Uh, or waste management, you know, basically what, what people call defensive plays. And it's like, what's happening is people are funds are sell, you know, obviously selling out of those buying into these less risky uh, assets. And then you probably have a bunch of people that were, that are closer to retirement mm-hmm. that were cashing out of 401ks, which is why everything was dropping. Yeah. It wasn't just travel. You know, exactly. you're looking like Walmart was dropping. You know and walmart stands to benefit relatively speaking to the rest of the economy because it's really the smaller mom and pop shops that are going to get hurt and not able to stave over that you know gap but and, and yeah it's exactly what you said though it's it's forward looking and that's the thing it's like three or five months
0: out right or something something like that ballpark because they yeah, were they were predicting we were going to be closed everything was going to be closed until december so then the second or not even december it's gonna be till like i don't know next february because well okay well the summer i don't know if we're gonna be ready but then the fall will happen and then another you know season of sickness will happen so then they were like oh so we're gonna be shut down for a year that's that's what's gonna happen and then we're shut down for like three months so yeah the markets are up guys that's why because everyone predicted a year and then it was three months and then maybe it'll happen again but sentiment is everything don't don't think you can predict the market i'm just Saying that, but the Oh exactly. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's true. And and then also you gotta keep in mind that the Fed making unprecedented movements as mm-hmm, far as mm-hmm. rate cuts and stimulus, that makes a huge difference. Because anytime you have interest rates go down, then what that means is that of course money is going to be cheaper to borrow. When money's yep. cheaper to borrow and yes. when you're printing more money, yep. then that means inflation is going to go up, which means the dollar value is going to go down. If the dollar value is going down, then What that means is that assets are actually going to go up in value relative to the dollar. So that's why, especially in a higher inflation uh, time period, it's really important to be investing in assets that appreciate over time because the dollar is going to keep dropping. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Like, I was thinking about this actually
0: regarding the dollar dropping. Um, When they were going to do another round of stimulus, I was like, you know, I don't know how bad it would be for another round of a little bit more inflation because... Conceptually, with uh, with like college debt, um, you know, like oh, makes debt cheaper. makes debt so it makes, much
1: cheaper. It makes debt cheaper. Yeah. So the only that's the 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 real the part that stinks about this whole situation is that people that are um, not making enough to comfortably invest and are still trying to save money beforehand are going to get hurt disproportionately to people that have debt or people that are investing in assets that appreciate. Mm-hmm. Because their money is going to be going down because savings rates are going to be going down. Exactly. Talking about saving APRs are going to be going down. Checking accounts, savings accounts, those are going down. Yeah. While inflation is eating away more at that dollar than it would previously, but people that are able to leverage debt, i.e. already have good enough credit scores or are in you know a good enough position where they can, yeah, it's going to help them, and it's going to help people that have assets but the people that are the most you know in need of help it's sadly if they aren't able to take advantage of putting that money into some type of vehicle that's going to allow it to grow Mm -hmm. it you know it's a double-edged sword that being said you have to, you know i think i think it's very important that the fed did that and uh it it helped a ton um but yeah it's We'll see. We don't know. That's the thing. This is the all of these moves the Fed has been doing are unprecedented, and so that's what really makes it hard to judge the market it, right now. Is because we don't really know because it hasn't happened before. Yeah, and, know?
0: I, I, and I think uh, if I remember hearing. Didn't the did the Fed issue a bunch of fifty-year bonds? Yes. Recently, too. I think that's probably going to help.
1: Yeah, it, it it should. The Fed should help. The question is what does it help? Yeah. It should raise asset values. Yeah, the, That's the main thing it should do. The issue is those asset values are raising while the dollar is going to be dropping even more. So then the question is what, what, what's really going to be interesting for me is because I look at it from a value investing standpoint and I'm always looking at like what the you know price to earnings ratio is. It's going to be really interesting to see how that's going to be affected because We already have the stock market at a very high historic P.E. value. Um, What's going to happen when all of these stock prices have been elevated through quantitative easing, Mm. but earnings are down because of that three month plus, you know, whatever consumer behaviors have changed since then? What's going to happen? Because that means the P is going to go up even higher. And I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be a really good test of uh, whether how well quantitative easing works yeah and
0: they're actually regarding you, you saying uh the saving habits have changed did you know that savings went up 30 like percent the average awesome. the average savings went up 30 percent um everyone's no just,
1: i yeah i did not that's yeah, amazing i
0: heard that yesterday it's it's crazy you know that's that's unprecedented because that have a lot of people, I, this, this is my hope, because I'm I'm trying to be realistic about this, right? Let's say we're at 78, I think it's like 78, 22% regarding people who spend their uh, paycheck right when it comes in sort of thing. Um, I'm hoping that gets shifted to like 60, 40. If we're going to be real, realistic, that's like the best we're going to get out of this consumer culture change-wise. And past that, I'm not really sure if it's actually good for the economy. Like, if we're going to be it's honest. It's not, yeah. yeah. So I don't really, I mean, I mean. It, I want the people in my family and the people I'm close to and the people I talk to and tell about it to obviously improve their lives and stuff. But if there's going to be people who want to live like that, I'm not going to tell them like, all right, uh, live the way you want to live. But I think that's interesting that consumer habits have changed and something to very much show how instant gratification is a killer is when it was at 18K or at 22K and people pulled out. Think about this yeah. conceptually. Everyone who is like, Oh my god, my retirement fund. Where are they now complaining about it cuz last time I checked your retirement fund is exactly where it was. Exactly. Like
1: yeah, it's yeah, no it, it's It's exactly. three months, man.
0: Think a lot of, a lot can happen in 3 months, but it's not that long of a period of time. I didn't start this channel 3 months ago. Um things have changed with the channel as you can see. Like a lot happens if you just write it out.
1: Yeah, and and there's some really interesting um like if you look historically you can see some really cool stuff, like as an example, in the late 70s when the market dropped really drastically because of the oil crisis, um, that was near a market bottom for like several decades. And right before that, the top was one of the highest that it had ever been at the time. If you had bought then at the top, right, and then you had sold at the very bottom in the 08-09 recession, yeah. you still would have made money. What? You, so like that's the thing is nice. the and it, and what's one one thing that's really really interesting is if you look um at like the S and P adjusted for inflation, you'll really you get a better understanding of it because if you look at the S and P graph, it's generally like eh, you know, it does but it's going up, up down, yeah, flat but. Up. No, no. There'll be these stark drops, long recoveries, but over time it's always going up. Yeah. But then if you look at it relative to um, if you look at it relative to the inflation, i.e. you're looking at it relative to say like gold or something yeah. that is a value, yeah. set value, yeah. you'll see that the market doesn't really go up that much from a uh, intrinsic value. It goes up nominally, huh. which means that it's better for you to be in the market than it is to be holding cash, which is something we all know because we're in an inflationary environment. But it's, uh, yeah, it's really important to understand. And it's, it's, uh, it's vital to understand because again, it goes back to the compound interest. When you're looking at it, it almost always makes sense. If you bought a stock or an index, if you bought an index fund, you should hold it, generally speaking, until it's time for you to sell it when you're retiring. Exactly. But if you buy individual stocks, if a stock was a good deal at fifty dollars and relative to its valuation, then if it's thirty dollars, you should be buying more of it. You oh. shouldn't be selling it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Unless
1: unless something has changed, you know. So you just need to. And then the other issue with four hundred and one ks is people not understanding risk tolerance, you know, because we have we've had we had a long bull run, you know, like eleven years, yeah, it was and everyone and stocks were way outperforming bonds. Um, tech was way outperforming S&P 500 even. Um, but the problem is that a lot of people that are say five, 10 years from retirement right now, they're, they were looking at that and were probably over leveraged in terms of way too much in stocks. And that's why they're panicking when that stuff happens because the reality is the older you get, you need to be rebalancing your portfolio. And assessing your risk tolerance so mm-hmm. that a ten percent drop or more doesn't make you panic and pull out of the market. Yeah, not be able you to know? retire without pulling right. out. Yeah, right. Because you know, if you're the reality is that if you have if you had a good, well balanced like you know sixty forty stocks and bonds, you would have lost. You would have been down 30, less at the time. Twenty thirty percent, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you would have been down less at the time and wouldn't have been as likely to want. To sell, you know, but yeah. it's it, human psychology is a is a very interesting part of looking at how the market works. I think it's always and, funny
0: how like uh, when it's down like that, it's essentially on sale. You know, people think about right. the way they buy a T-shirt different than the stock market. And like in. Yeah. In 08, you know, when that was at its worst, when it was probably towards the. Was in October. I was like October when it like hit seventy eight hundred or whatever the heck that was something ridiculously low. You buy an index fund then. Oh yeah. Versus I would have versus even the crash that happened a couple months ago. That's still an eleven thousand difference versus the Dow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's it's insane. Like I was buying and and like the other thing is uh, because this is a good point to make is at that time a lot of people like personal friends um were asking me about, like, oh, when should I buy, da-da-da-da-da, you know, in, like, say, mid to late March, right? They're asking. Mm-hmm. And because they're thinking that they're going to be able to time the market. The reality is nobody can time the market mm-hmm. consistently. You're not going to be – the odds are so far against you. That is a fool's errand. Yeah. And what's, what's, in my opinion, better um, is – and what I do is, like, say on March – 11th which was when we had our first big drop in a day um you should be already have an idea of hey this is a company that I think is a good value at this price and one that I want to get into for a long term hold and then buy you know a percentage of however many you want so if i want you know say 20 shares of that total like i have a lump sum like a stimulus check that i want to invest if i want 20 total shares and it drops you know 5 10% then i may buy one fifth of that, you know, by four shares, then I'll hold that. If it drops the next time, you know, it may go up, it may go down, whatever. But then the next time I see it have a good appreciable drop and it's below, you know, far enough below what I think it's worth, then I buy a little bit more. And then that way you don't go like, because going all in is a very bad mentality for most people because you like, say you bought, say you bought, um, like Amazon in last like September or October, right? And you bought Amazon at like two thousand. And right now Amazon I think is at like twenty six, twenty seven hundred, right? So that would be a really good investment. Um but in November it was down at like sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred. If you would have, you know, decided, oh no, I'm down too much and just sold out of there. Wasted. Yeah, you just missed out on all of that. The reality is amazon hadn't changed fundamentally as a company it was still you know still had the same value it's all market sentiment like we were talking about earlier so literally right. just what
0: a bunch of people are like eh maybe this is how it'll look in a little bit it's all a bunch of predicting right. that's right or that could be
1: right or wrong right and i think the other th- issue with that is the savings habits of people because that's i think what leads to that is that people you know realistically the the goals with financial independence and and this is my personal opinion is one not you know, get rid of debt. Well, it depends on which order you want on yeah. whether you you know emergency fund and debt, depending on the interest rate. But generally speaking, get rid of debt, set up an emergency fund of three to six months that you have in cash in case of something happening. And then it's start investing. And I think a lot of people skip that second step of the emergency fund. It's huge. And so they're, yeah, they're investing with money that they're investing with money that they will most likely need. And so that's why they you know pull out when things get bad because they they're, they don't have that cushion. And having that cushion and peace of mind is huge. Like that's to me, that's the number one thing that was so great about like working and everything in college was that by working basically, you know, a full-time job in college, I always had, I was always able to save. And because of that, I didn't stress things. I wasn't as worried, you know, there's studies showing how people that are one in heavy debt and two below the poverty line, how they're, you know, the difference in the way they think and talking about like immediate needs, because it's like, you're always turned on, you know, you're always thinking about like, oh, am I going to be able to make this next paycheck? Am I going to be able to buy this thing that I need in the near future? Putting that, you know, having that uh, ability to set something aside and delay that gratification, it just, it it makes everything so much easier. It really does. I think there's a, a situation a lot of people find themselves in.
0: And yeah. And without, would, and, one and, second, and sorry, and this situation caused it to be fully exacerbated. Like, you know, you have that one month of savings, even, and then this situation goes, well, maybe I should have probably had six months because that's, that's actually what people recommend and this is exactly why if people had six months of expenses paid for or saved sorry across the board across the country we just have a bunch of people being like dang it I can't go outside
1: yeah and that's and that's how I've been like I'm fortunate because of being in the tech industry uh, I'm able to work from home very easily yeah so that helps even more so but yeah exactly it's like if you having that peace of mind is going to make way more of a difference than buying a nicer car or than you know eating a you know eating poke versus making a sandwich at home. You know, it, it it's really going to make up, a man. Yeah. It's it's insane how much it does. It, it,
0: there was um a post I saw on Instagram recently that was pretty funny. Um it's actually a I think you probably watched my videos, It's the G lifestyle he's a another small YouTuber I've seen in the community. He posted an on Instagram saying something like Basically, you know, the whole getting the car thing, basic, you, you care and you, you think what other people, you think other people care about what kind of car you have, but they don't, they
1: just don't care. So don't do it pretty much. This exactly. what he, what he kind of put in the post. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you should yeah, you should never, you shouldn't be buying just like, you, just like you shouldn't Clubs. be choosing a, yeah. Just like you shouldn't be choosing a job. Or a college major based on what other people think you shouldn't be buying things based on what other people think yeah you know it's it's the same it's that same mentality of wanting to you know flex or to look a certain way Um, and yeah it's it's definitely something that's important and that's why one of the things that's good about you know someone like Gary Vee is putting out the you know one thing that he stresses that's really important is how important it is to understand who you are, like self-awareness, because that is what keeps you know lifestyle creep or trying to keep up with the Joneses from happening. You yeah, know? when
0: you when you're in a spot where you're comfortable with who you are as a person, you don't end up spending money on things that would fill the void of like, well, if I had these shoes, someone would like me. If I had this shirt, someone would like me. If I had this car, someone would like me. Well, maybe people should maybe do some more time. Uh, Doing free things like reflection, and um, possibly yeah. then, and only then, would they get to a spot where maybe they'd be spending less. And on top of that, sure, you could even spend some money on the reflection, but then probably in the long term, it's probably going to cost you less because you're going to stop that compulsionary um, spending on random things that you think people want. Like I can't tell you how many people I know. Obviously, at my age, it's a big thing for a guy to get a car um, that people think looks cool. And then the guys are like, oh, nice, cool car. And they kind of feed into it, which sucks, because I feel bad for those people. I'm like, man, they they don't care about your car. They're just just being nice. Like, yes, they think it's a cool car, but are they going to think any less of you if you got a new one or had a... Like, I have a buddy, for example, I have a buddy who has a new car. I have a buddy who has a beat-up old used car. Like, completely... I mean, he got that thing for, like, 500 bucks. All right, so, like, I'm like, all right, this guy's got 200,000 miles on a car. The other one has nothing on a car and i'm like they're both my friends i don't really care like i genuinely don't care like i think it's funny one has the old car and i'm like i want to ride in it see if it like breaks down and the new car i'm like eh like actually i think the the old car is more entertaining if we're being perfectly honest that might just be me but that's funny in my opinion (laughs) and it's like he he knows it so we're just both laughing at it like i'm not gonna have a nice car for a while because i'm young and i don't need to get one so that's entertaining
1: yeah no and there's and it's also less stressful. You don't have to worry about anything happening to it. His insurance you know? on it's ridiculously low too. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's
0: it's it's ridiculous. When I found out how much car insurance was, I was like, "Oh, Mike, even if you get that cheap car, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of money." He's like, "No, no, actually, it's it's ridiculously cheap because of it." I was like, "My God, this is hilarious!" You like you're just riding in a free car almost because of how cheap it is. So
1: yeah, and and that's uh, I I can't remember exactly the quote, but yeah, it's like Warren Buffett uh, has one about that where it's like all these uh you know wall street's the only place where people that uh that drive there in a rolls royce to take advice from people that take the uh public transport yeah like people know and then bezos there was i remember an interview with him uh they did like a documentary in like the late 90s uh maybe even early 2000s and at one point there the uh, documentarian is in the passenger seat and he's asking like so you're worth you know x amount and uh, so what's with the Honda? Because he's driving like a mid-90s Honda. Yeah, he's like, he's like, this is a perfectly fine car. You know, and it's, it, it's the same mentality as value investing or looking at buying a t-shirt on sale versus not. It's all the same exact mindset of buying things less than what they're worth so, and getting more value out of it. It's the same mentality just, you know, in everything. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that also goes into why channels like yours that are more personal development are really important because when you're talking about taking time to, you know, reflect, to understand, you know, better what you want, who you are, a lot of those personal development things like building um, discipline by waking up earlier in the morning, little things like that go a long way and having that time alone with yourself It makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah. And I think um, you you watched the podcast with Casey, obviously. And we talked about, um, you know, falling down the right rabbit hole regarding content. And people can joke about all that, joke about that all they want, like, oh, haha, like, you're watching that more, like, you're not going to live a better life. Well, I'm not saying you are, I'm not saying there's a direct correlation, but there, there seems to be a direct correlation between the type of content people consume, and how often they consume the content. And then, how often they take action with content. And I think a big thing for channels like ours and people I'm interviewing so far, it's been like, when you watch their content, people end up taking action from the content. Now, when I watch, I'm trying to think of an example. You know who Morgz is? <laughs> you know who Morgz is?
1: Uh, No, I don't. He's a big
0: prank YouTuber, right?
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm yeah Logan l- Paul. Yeah, same oh thing. yeah, that's
0: same. yeah I'm taking a lot of action watching Logan Paul. If I took action right. from Logan Paul and what was it? february of 2018 i don't think i'd be taking good action
1: right uh, no know. for sure Yeah,
0: exactly and with people who are in my niches content like matt Diavella, big fanboy of his i took a lot of action because of him in my life yeah better because of it now if yeah. you take action from other forms of content i'm not saying sports are bad you could play sports but most of us aren't going to be professional athletes and most people who are fans of sports aren't in shape um just that's just, just that's just statistically like people aren't in shape in general and then it happens. Right. It just works out. Yeah. But it seems with this type of content people end up doing something with it, or at least they, they don't really have to do a whole lot. They just say, Oh, let me try that out. It's very, it's very good that I think when I'm trying to make my videos recently, it switched from like, do this. This is a good idea to I tried this out. It's pretty cool. You should try it out too. And this whole niche has got this cool storytelling component to it. And I think that inspires people to try to improve their lives. And then through that, personal finance gets positively affected. And their happiness overall gets positively positively affected because, as I'm sure you know, you're broke or you're in a situation where you're struggling for money. You're not as happy as if you're at least set. Money isn't correlated to happiness, but not having money is correlated to stress.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's so... Um, it's so important to have that because the other thing the reason that people i think do more so take action even then say like someone that watches cnbc all day versus uh-huh. someone that watches a personal youtuber or someone that watches tony robbins versus watches like a you know self development person on youtube we're normal people mm. right mm-hmm. they you know it's much easier to relate look at look at us as a you know and as an example because we're not You know, they know it's not like, quote unquote, a show. You know, we're not Jim Cramer talking about like, oh, this, this, and this on this day when you know he's not doing any of that. Like Uh, uh, uh. if if he was, he would not be on show because it's usually wrong. But it's like, you know, having that personal, um, you know, connection with other people that are, you know, in similar situations like ourselves. It makes a difference, you know, in, in whether or not people take action.
0: Yeah, and when you see people like uh I bring up Casey again, but he talked about getting out of eighty thousand in debt in the amount yeah. of time he did, two and a half years, that just doesn't happen to most people. Yeah. But he's just a dude. Like he's just he's just a guy. He he works. He said he was getting paid like twenty something bucks an hour. He Ubered, he Airbnb beat his house when he was allowed to before his HOA figured it out. Um, like everyone can do that. Everyone can yeah. work. And even if you're making like $15, fifteen, twenty an hour or less. If you went to college by the way, hopefully you're making like in the 20s. Like just just as a self-belief thing to anyone watching this. In certain areas of the country, maybe that's more than others. I get that because of like rural areas, whatever. But you should be able to believe in yourself to try to push to make, you know, in the 20 pluses. I mean, like that's that's like 40k a year. 20 bucks is like 40k a year. Like right. post or yeah. pretext, yeah. So cuz you know, 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's 40k. Dang, math, nice. Yeah. Nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing to keep in mind there is that if you're someone that's, you know, is either not quite in college yet or is working through college, going out and getting, because $20 an hour is really good relative to the average person, you know, in the United States just for a yeah. straight up job. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at like, oh, what do I want to work in? And in my, my suggestion to you is look in... To companies that are that have really good uh, work, like worker um, relations, and that are very supportive of people going to school. Um, examples were my brother worked at like Discount Tire, which is also called America's Tire, um, different places in the country. There, I, I think I, I worked there too, and I think I made like fourteen an hour yeah. starting, and then they would they had you know programs where they would help pay for your school if mm-hmm. you stayed with them, you know like a year or two or something like That's that. Cool. Same thing with UPS. I had friends that did the same at FedEx, at Coca Cola. You know, looking for those types of jobs that are, you know, generally speaking, more working class jobs. Um, it's going to make a huge difference. And while it's not as convenient as, you know, working at a Starbucks or working at something that's, you know, right there at campus, um, it makes a huge difference. And that was something that was really good for me because it gave me the right mentality because I was working in at UPS. I was working in, you know, an operations management environment. So I was very innately aware when we were going through like system engineering classes, talking about like supply chains and talking about how, you know, measuring how like employees work within a system. I had that firsthand experience and it made a huge difference in my choices as far as like career path long term.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, it's actually been good. We're going longer than I thought, but it's, it's a good combo. Yeah, um, no, no worries. Yeah, uh, we're, we're going into an interesting topic here. I think it's kind of segueing itself into there. Um, the concept of leveraging your time and leveraging your debt. So I know a lot of people, when you go to college, you're leveraging your debt. You know, Essentially, you're taking on debt and eventually you'll make more money than you would have otherwise and et cetera, et cetera. But properly leveraging debt is different than just leveraging it overall. So let me give the example of my friend who bought the cheap car um for example he was working at a job on campus doing a lot of a lot of technician work basically he was he learned how to be a handyman you know good for him but the school was paying him 725 all right then the second he got the car and leveraged the proper use of money he was able to go and work at a mire he was working at a mire and he made like for i think he's was making like thirteen, fourteen an hour and i'm like he's making double of what he was off of a off of a purchase so we're not saying like buying things are bad that's not what we're trying to get i think leveraging your money Properly and leveraging your time properly is important. Because with Drew bringing up the UPS thing, you might want to be a barista more than you want to work at the UPS. Hear me out, you don't want to be a barista, or barista, you don't want to be a barista in general. You probably don't want to be a UPS in ge- at UPS in general. Both of those things you don't want to be. One of those things ends up in a better spot. Is it an extra 15 minute drive? Oh, boo-hoo, like I'd... little things add up when you leverage your time properly and you leverage your money properly. And you leverage that properly i don't know what your thoughts are but i'm, I'm guessing you, you get where i'm getting at with that
1: oh yeah 100 like that type and i was i was thinking that as i was saying with the ups thing is yeah having access to a car huge you know determinant or public transportation depending on the city or you know area you're at huge determinant of whether or not certain jobs are available to you mm-hmm. and so yeah absolutely if you know you're in a position where you can get something like your friend where it's Cheap. a very reasonable cost. It's and it's going to better you long term. You absolutely should. And even if even if you're someone that is is stuck in or not necessarily stuck, but who is in a position at a company that is not exactly what you want, go online and actively look for like, you know, companies with uh com- you know, companies that help people, you know, that help like with college, like companies that provide college aid. To their workers. Um, it, it'll make a huge, and it doesn't just have to be college, but generally speaking, th- if they're more likely to offer benefits and they're more likely to also offer help for education because they want to build people from within. And that's why, like, if you're, you know, if you're going to pick between, generally speaking, like, you know, McDonald's or Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A so client, yeah. does a much better job of supporting their employees. So that is an example. You know, it doesn't Ask have to Walmart, be- too. Like Costco, Right. Walmart, yeah. Yes. Costco. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the reason I say that is because obviously you know I I I was okay and enjoyed doing the manual labor jobs. However, that's obviously not for everyone. And you know it's just making the best of your situation and looking for how do I get from A to B, not just not just focused on oh what's a paycheck that's nearby and is easy um and so yeah it, it matters a lot
0: yeah it's just a little bit of an extra time uh commitment but i think a big probably point that we've been making the whole time is like a little more time you spend on doing things a little more effort you put into things some big payback can happen because obviously i mentioned it with my friend with the car um it is infinitely different to have to have 30 percent of your paycheck get eaten away or 40 percent of your paycheck get eaten away from car payments versus my other buddy who you know like i don't know five percent of it like five ten percent it's really adds up over time but it's that one initial decision to be like all right i'm just i'm gonna suck up the fact that this isn't a great car because it doesn't matter what my friends think this is the move when i'm 30 i delayed the gratification i'll have a decent car like it's what you need to do because money compounds the way finances work it's just like Early on, you make the right choices. Later on, you cannot make the right choices, and it doesn't matter as much because you have a bunch of money sitting in an index fund or in the right stocks or getting compound interest, and that's fine. So the last thing I do want to talk about is the beer thing. We always talk about the beer thing on the show. What has the beer thing been good for you in life? You know, what are the positives? Because I want it to be positive because the news yeah. and everyone's like, uh, this sucks. But what's the positives for the beer thing for you right now?
1: Yeah, for sure. So it's been for me, so I work full time, uh, and I'm able to work full time from home, which that part has been great. Uh, the other is the other part that I'm very fortunate for that, at least the other thing that's been great is that because I'm able to work from home, just saving on, you know, commute time, yeah. getting ready versus, you know, getting ready for home versus getting ready to go to work. I have been able to use that time to get myself better. Um, yeah. and one of those ways is like, just daily scheduling because my job's really pretty flexible so I can go in at different times depending on different days what I need to do and so it's been very important that I have built like a new regimented schedule and so now it's like I'm much better at getting up at you know 5 or 6 in the morning getting to bed by 9 to 10 depending on the day and that has helped a ton it's made me much more focused and it's allowed me to do a lot more of working on making my YouTube content better because I have more time and that that's been huge. And then it's yeah, it's been overall it's been a good time to reflect and to spend more time on self-development which has been really great cuz normally I think we all get a little bit into the rat race of things and yeah, that's been that's been a big positive. I'm good I'm so glad to hear that I think a lot
0: of people I think a lot of people are benefiting from it in the right ways for as many people who are maybe maybe struggling to stay positive. Um, I always just wanna hear that because it is a rough time and we're getting in, we're getting in the right direction though. I think we're, I think we're moving towards the right um, spot with this and summer's pretty much in the middle of it right now and I'm happy that it's summer, it's nice out and this was a nice conversation.
1: So if you have anything else to say, I give you the floor before we end the show. Yeah. Only thing I'd say is, if you guys are interested in personal finance or just career development, we talk about different things along the lines of getting a job out of college, getting a job out of high school, stuff that goes on within the engineering sphere, and just general personal finance topics. Be sure to check out my channel, and uh, also don't forget to keep you know keep subscribed and watching Dimitri's channel as well. Well, that was I like I like I like
0: both parts, but. Like the last part. So, uh, Drew, I really appreciate having you on the show. And with that being said, guys, I will see you guys in the next one.